0: The scripture reading today is from the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Owe to no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers for the night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We are continuing our sermon series on the book of Romans, which was written to the church in Rome during the first century in order to instruct them on how to live their lives in Christ. The major theme of the book is unity and equality in believers in Christ. Now that the church is Christians, they are called to live transformed lives functioning by grace and love. We're in chapter 13 now of Romans, which is an extension of Paul's instructions from chapter 12 to give our lives as a living sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom. Last week, Dr. Rennick preached on the beginning of Romans chapter 13 which is instructions on how Christians should relate to state and government. This week we look at the second half of Romans 13, verses eight through 14, which moves from how Christians relate to the bigger unit of society, now to the smaller unit of society, which is the neighbor. Paul exhorts the church to love your neighbor as yourself, as love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Please pray with me. Lord, may your word penetrate our hearts, renew our minds, and bring us closer to you. Amen. The first command that Paul makes in our scripture text for today is to owe no one anything except to love. Paul is transitioning here from discussing what is owed to human authorities, including respect and honor, to what Paul is primarily concerned about in this passage, which is an obligation, as Jesus' followers, to love other people. Paul seems to say that loving others is a debt that we will never pay off. We will never be done paying love to one another. We have a Christ-like obligation To love our neighbor as ourself. So this morning we'll look at three questions. The first, why do we love our neighbor? The second, who is our neighbor? And the third, what kind of love do we give our neighbor? So why do we love our neighbor as ourself? Loving your neighbor as yourself is mentioned eight times in the Bible, and most importantly, from Jesus in all four Gospels. The command is not easy, it doesn't come naturally. That is why it's a command. In Matthew 2236 to 40, when asked teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Paul also continues to emphasize in his letters that the command to love your neighbor as yourself fulfills the law. The law or the Torah was what defined the Jewish people and set them apart from other cultures. The law or the Torah is the first five books of our Old Testament or the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, including Leviticus and Deuteronomy which are packed full of moral codes and these were the things that set apart the Jews from other cultures the law instructed the behavior of the Jews and that behavior was made was what made them a light among the nations and identified them with God with this new command that Jesus gave to love your neighbor as yourself love covers it all Love covers the entire law. We don't have to worry about the nitty gritty jot and tittle of the law. If we are loving our neighbor, we are not committing adultery. If we are loving our neighbor, we're not committing violence. If we're loving our neighbor, we're not stealing, we're not murdering, we're not coveting. And when the law is fulfilled by the love of neighbor, it will bring admiration instead of blasphemy from the watching world. The Apostle Paul wanted the church to understand that Christ is apparent by our actions in the world and by the love that we show to other people. A few weeks ago, I signed my daughter up for soccer. She uh, had never played soccer before and I was aware that she also would be a new girl on the soccer team. So I wrote to the coach and I said, what can we do to prepare her for the first practice? And he wrote back and said, the only thing that you can do to prepare is to have her listen to our team song over and over and to just realize that this team is about friendship and camaraderie and just show up. So that's what we did. We showed up and when we got to the field, my daughter and I walked down towards the field, and I saw all the girls kind of in a gaggle in the corner, and I saw the coach, and as we were walking up, my daughter was a little nervous. She'd never met any of these girls. She'd never played soccer, and we caught eyes with the coach, and he saw us, we saw him, and then he threw his arms up and said, Ren! oh my goodness, girls, she's here. Come on, look, she's finally here, and they ran over to us, And all the girls, you know, welcomed her. The coach said, oh, we're so glad you're on our team. He said, come over, look what I've got for you. They walked over. um, The whole team each had their own soccer bag, and then it was soccer journal, soccer ball, soccer socks, soccer hairband, soccer notebook, soccer mask. It was a soccer Christmas. And my daughter was just amazed. As they went out onto the field and played, I could hear very regularly, the coach yelling something like, whoa, look at Wren, she dribbles so well, I can't believe she's on her team now. Look how well she passes, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And every time I saw Ren's face, she was just totally amazed. Well, we went home and things settled a bit and uh, that evening I was talking to her and I said, Wren, what do you think about what happened today what do you think about your about your experience on the field and she said mom and she took her a while but she said mom i really think that that's the way that god loves me and she got that connection she saw that from her coach so we love our neighbor so that others can see god in us and we may not all have the big personality of a really good soccer coach but as christians when we are living out the love of god around other people in our place of work and our talents with our gifts and personality christ's love is apparent even when we're not planning for it we love our neighbors so that others can see christ in us so who is my neighbor we all know that jesus was asked this question when he was teaching about loving one's neighbor. And one commentator said that we naturally find someone that is easy for us to love and define them as our neighbor. And this is why when asked the question, Jesus answered, the parable, answered with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells the story about a traveler who was beaten and left half dead along the roadside. Then a priest, who's a religious official, walked by and ignored him. Then a Levite, another religious official, walks by and ignores him as well. But then the Samaritan, he comes up to the wounded traveler. He stops. He cares for him. He treats his wounds. He takes him somewhere safe, pays for his medical care. And according to Jesus, in doing this, he is the one that is the true neighbor. He's the one who shows mercy and the one that is closest to the kingdom of heaven. Now, interestingly enough, the Samaritan in this story is meant to be anyone who the hearer or whoever was listening with Jesus at the time and us were the reader. The Samaritan was meant to be anyone that we would not want to be in the same room with. Samaritans and Jews despised each other. Samaritans were a different race. They had different beliefs than Jews and they did not get along. Jesus told the story to make sure that we know that our neighbor is not only people who are the same as us, but those who are different ethnically, racially, and religiously. The Samaritans were different in all those ways from the Jews. And our neighbor who we are called to love can even be someone who may be put in the category of enemy. So who else is our neighbor? Neighbor comes from the old English word neighborger, Ne being near, burger meaning dwell, anyone that is near to us, that person is also our neighbor. It's not only the stranger in our path or the person that lives next door, but anyone that is near, like our family, our children, our spouses, our co-worker, our parents, the people we interact with on a daily basis. Sometimes the people who we are closest to are the hardest to love, and they're the hardest to get along with, and the hardest to express Christ's love to you. I personally have a tendency, or have had a tendency, to imagine that loving my neighbor is like loving the people out there, or the person next door, the general public. But the challenge is, phew, I've gotta love these people that I'm with every day in my house. The people that I'm around all the time, they are my neighbor as well. Dostoevsky in his book, The Brothers Karamazov, says one can love one's neighbors in the abstract or even at a distance, but at close quarters it is almost impossible. So who is my neighbor? My family is my neighbor. We're called to love the people we dwell near. Have you ever tried to be a missionary in your own home? Try it, it's fun. And I don't mean like handing out tracts. We are called to bring the love of Christ to the people to which we are called. and We are most definitely called to love the people that are around us and close to us. Some practical solutions for loving those in close relationship to us. In the book, Practicing Right Relationship by Mary Ceylon and Daniel Smith, they suggest that there are four toxic stances that research shows are devastatingly harmful in relationships. The first is criticism, the second is contempt, the third is defensiveness, and the fourth is stonewalling, or not speaking to someone. In young people language, that's called ghosting, you disappear. So criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling, those things are completely destructive for relationships. Instead, they suggest stances that can strengthen relationships and build relationships are compassion, playfulness, caring, audacity, respect, and honesty. And I thought, well, what is audacity? Well, my daughter's coach had the audacity to show that much love to the team. And I believe the Apostle Paul would add from his letter to the Galatians, this list of relationship building actions. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So who is my neighbor? A neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with, anyone that I dwell near, someone in need. No matter who they are, religiously, ethnically, we love other people so that God can be seen in the world, including those we don't like. So what kind of love do we give to the neighbor? What is love in this context? First, the command says, love your neighbor as yourself. We give our neighbor the same kind of love that we would give ourselves. Implicit in the command to love our neighbor is the fact that we are called to love ourselves as well. For some, this can be easy. For others, it can be quite difficult. We can be very self-critical at times and unloving towards ourselves. We must remember that I myself, I'm also a part of the body of Christ and I'm called to love myself with all the grace that I would give someone else. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Again, what kind of love do we give our neighbor and ourselves? In English we have one word for love, but in the Greek there are four words for love. So sometimes in the translation from Greek to English, the nuances can be lost. The four Greek words for love are phileo, which is friendship love, storge, which is empathy and bonding love, eros, which is romantic love, and agape, which is the highest form of love. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is unselfish love. It's the love that's devoted to the well-being of others. Agape love is selfish, selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional love. Agape love is not only defined by feeling, but is expressed in action. When God asks us to love our enemies, this is agape love. It would be very hard to have love feelings for our enemies, but this love is based on obedience and action. God gives the example in Exodus 23 for loving your enemy, if your enemy's donkey or cow escapes, you go and you get their donkey, and you bring it back to them. You don't have to have feelings for your enemy, but you do have to go get their donkey and bring it back. It's love in action. You do the action that expresses love. Agape love is not easy, and it does not come naturally to us. It's a choice that we make to serve others in humility, This type of love enables us to love the unlovable and serve people at their deepest need, whether they deserve it or not. This is a completely different kind of love than the love that we see on TV or social media that's based on superficiality and sexuality and focuses on selfish ambition. As people in relationships, whether we are parents, spouses, siblings, children, coaches, friends, And even as we are called to love strangers unconditionally, agape love requires vulnerability and at times heartbreak. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, he talks about agape love in this way. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Put it in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, and it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Whether you are caring for a parent, for a child, whether you're walking through something very difficult with a dear friend, or even in your work or school or in your ministry, loving others as ourselves means taking the risk of feeling pain, feeling the pain that they feel. And we all know that truly loving people through especially their hard times can be so painful. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 34, 18. It says, God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If God is close to the brokenhearted, then don't we want to be where God is close? To love our neighbor as ourselves, it also requires perseverance. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about love. He says, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. We're called to persevere in this type of love, loving others as ourselves. I was on the phone this week with a friend and we both agreed that we are done with persevering. COVID has had us, everyone is just tired of persevering. And it's so true, we're tired of persevering. So this is what's so important and that we have to remember that with agape love, God is the one that is persevering. God is the source of agape love. And God is persevering day after day to give us the love and strength to make it through another day, to be able to make choices that are loving and humble in our relationships and he is the source of any love that we give or that is seen it is not by our own strength that we give love but by god's strength and god is drawing people to him and using us even with all the mistakes that we make god is redeeming all for his glory so why do we love our neighbor for the sake of our neighbor that they might know christ and who is our neighbor Anyone who we come in contact with, from our closest family member to the stranger in need, including our enemy, and what kind of love do we offer our neighbor? We offer agape, or unconditional love, that is God's love, that comes from God. It's the kind of love that is selfless. It's the love that puts others first. It's the love that endures hardship and heartbreak for the sake of the kingdom. Please pray with me. Mighty God, you are the source of all love. And so we ask that you fill us with your love and help us to love one another so that we might be a light to the world. Let us be a church that is known by our love. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.